Welcome to HBW Insights Over the Counter podcast. I'm David Ridley, HBW's EU Senior Editor, and I'll be hosting this and other Over the Counter podcasts. You'll also hear my colleague Hannah Daniel hosting some of the episodes. Hannah has recently joined HPW as a health and wellness reporter and we'll be looking at the hottest issues in consumer health from a US perspective. Together we will be speaking to industry experts and insiders about what's going on in the global health, beauty and wellness market from an industry point of view. In this episode, I chat with Arcuvia Consumer Health's Prasanna Patali about the research the organisation has done on the recent self-care trends that will endure after COVID. Prasanna points to wellness and prevention, RX to OTC switch and naturals as drivers of long-term change in global consumer health markets. We also dig a bit deeper into sustainability and artificial intelligence, which we agree are important disruptors that OTC companies need to start acting on if they are to stay ahead of the pack in the years ahead. then uh, thanks for coming on uh, on over the counter um, the HPW insight uh, podcast uh, would you like to just introduce yourself quickly sure um, thanks David and it's a pleasure to be here so uh, my name is uh, Prasanna Pitale I am the uh, senior vice president uh, for global consumer health for uh, IQVIA um, I manage a, um, a, a global team and global capabilities around the world um, and uh, it's nice to be having this chat here today. Yeah, it's great to have you on. Um, you know, I've been following some of your presentations you've been doing recently, and we uh, cover IQVIA's uh, intelligence quite often in HBW, as our listeners and readers will know. Um, I saw a particularly interesting bit of um, research that you'd done on global OTC consumer healthcare trends, um, and I, I was just wondering if you could maybe talk a little bit about that. Sure, yeah. I mean, um, look, having gone through and, and what we are going through, right, globally around the world um, and at different stages, I wanted to really understand what were going to be the key drivers going forward that's, you know, across consumer health from a global perspective. So what I did was um, I did some research where we um, had an external party, so we had an independent perspective, uh, actually interview leading industry you know players such as CEOs country managers people from the supply distribution and logistics uh, arena to get a flavor of look what do they think is definitely going to happen in comparison to what the impact is likely to be you know whether it's high or low right and we got some interesting results some uh, you know you would expect um, but it was nice the way that it was boxed together to think you know these are going to be more certain as opposed to uncertain and have a high impact. So what I mean by that is, you know, elements such as, and these, sort of, these are sort of broader drivers, right? You know, the emergence and the acceleration they're seeing in e-commerce and e-pharmacy, right? No surprise, but it, you know, the pandemic has really just further accelerated the importance of this uh, distribution channel, right? And and it's also the demographic changes that we're seeing in terms of, you know, the way the, you know, the, political unrest, the way people are behaving, the, you know, the nature of the way you know, people's buying patterns have changes. All of these things are, are going to continue to you know, excel and, and, and become important going forward. 
But if we look at specific consumer health drivers, you know, the highest one is, is really wellness and preventive care. It's clear that us as consumers and shoppers and patients are more cognizant and more you know, aware of the fact that we have to look after ourselves, right? COVID has accelerated that significantly. We know that. You know, we're looking at the way the consumer and the shopper utilizes wearables, you know, they're driving, you know, their, their, their self-care as, as we've pulled out. But at the same time, you know, on the other side, what we've seen, especially in Iclevia, is the importance um, of the influence and recommendations of HCPs. Okay. They're going to still be dominant in terms of the way they are engaged in the marketplace. They're also going to be dominant in the way that they want to be educated more. There's a shift for them and the industry has to be seen to be supporting them because a lot more consumers and shoppers will be interacting with them to get advice, to get some guidance, because the consumer is very much today wanting to personalize well-being and healthcare, right? Social media has just accelerated that. When people were at home doing lockdowns, a lot of time we know was spent on the internet, um, doing investigations and looking into reviews and even looking at how you know, HCPs even talk to each other. So we all feel we're better educated. Um, and as a result, you know, there's going to be a big paradigm shift in terms of how the consumer and the shopper are going to behave going forward. There's a big pressure, as we know, uh, from a, a cost perspective, from a payer and provider. Governments still have to pay for the pandemic. Um, and there's going to be a big push towards passing that cost on to the consumer. We expect a lot more switch, switches uh, it's RX to OTC switches to you know progress over the coming years um, as governments try to provide better, affordable, and reachable healthcare. And in conjunction with this, and this was an interesting observation that came out of the research, the emergence of the impact of natural products. Actually, natural products will work in two ways. They're going to be uh, associated to like line extensions and innovations for established westernized products already but they're but the natural products in themselves the hermal remedies yeah the you know the tcms and the arovelids there's a big shift in the importance of what these bring to the consumer you know and as a result we see this as becoming a very influential impact going forward now that's a uh... Yeah, that's a really fascinating um, and concise summary. And yeah, that was really one of the interesting things that I thought about the presentation that you gave was that you had uh, identified which ones were perhaps more likely or more significant. Because um, I think there are a lot of people and uh, companies offering these kinds of, um, you know, forward-looking uh, trends about what's going to happen after COVID because um, COVID's had such an impact on everything. But like you say, you know, some of these are, are familiar, um, in particular, you know, e-commerce and wellness. But I think something that you've drawn out that, that I've also, um, I've been hearing with some of my interviews is the impact of, um, you know, the the money that needs to be made up from uh, from what was spent on, um, you know, shielding um, citizens from COVID. So, you know, for example, with the job retention schemes, etc., and and that money's going to have to be, um, you know, saved in some respect. So, like you say, governments will um, be looking to 
try and uh, you know make healthcare systems more efficient and self-care has always been you know put forward as one way to do that um, and then you know switches being something that might benefit from that but do you think that um, do you think that on the one hand that consumers are going to be able to afford self-care products because the other part of that is with inflation as well and, and then what's, what's happening in Ukraine and the impacts of that again you know that that maybe consumers haven't got the the purchasing power that they might have had before the pandemic. So even though, you know, the governments will want more self-care options that consumers might not be able to afford them, especially if companies are then putting prices up. What do you think? Yeah, so that's a great point. I mean, firstly, it's a, you know, it's a shame what's happening with Russia and Ukraine at the moment, right? And we're still in early days and we're, we're, we're seeing some challenges. Um, look, economies are opening up, right? Um, we all know that the biggest threat of COVID, you know, although there were death rates, is going to be the impact of the economies right around the world. And we're seeing that. Um, but what we are seeing is, you know, the rise of vitamins, minerals and supplements, for example, during during the pandemic, the usage and the and the purchasing of them indicated that the consumer was going to be very more proactive in terms of how they're looking after themselves. Um, and what we will see, and, we, and I've seen some research in other areas where purchases of you know fmcg and cpg brands um, have declined while the consumer is willing to spend better and more on on consumer health brands right because health has become such an important aspect to their to their livelihoods so i think this is going to be something that will continue it's good for the market i think the consumer will you know continue as best as possible it will peak there will be a point where they cannot spend anymore and they need to they need to revise what their spending habits are. So we do expect brands to, you know, do well. I think price becomes a very, you know, competitive scenario. Uh, we, we are seeing price increases, especially as some of the logistics and distribution challenges we're faced. So that automatically, you know, um, unbalances the balance of these demand and supply equilibrium. So as a result, we're going to start to see, um, you know, specialist medicines, uh, specialist healthcare brands, specialist and personalization of, of products for self-being and self-welfare, uh, preventive care, really helping to, you know, drive consumer behavior. But are you also going to see, uh, you know, the competition on the shelf between brands and, you know, white label or discounted products or and also you know, between kind of discount stores and, um, you know, pharmacies, supermarkets, that kind of thing? Yeah, I mean, that's always good for everyone, right? But at the same time, what we have, you know, at Ikea Consumer Health, what we have seen and experienced is the consumer wants to be brand loyal, okay, because they're, they're comfortable, they're familiar, but they are now more open to switching if they see an alternative having a better proposition for them, Right. If the, if the claims that they are making, and we do a lot of work in this area, right, have fully been, you know, delivered and have, have had, had all the regulatory approvals and, you know, with all the credentials, it's, it's an alternative option. So, you know, again, you'll see a, a, a big in, in, uh, intake in, uh, on the e-pharmacy and the e-commerce channel. Um, stores are trying to get the, you know, are trying to have the footfall inside them right they want they want consumers and shoppers walking the aisles um and being able to have a variety of choice 
at the same time there are you know there's a there's a significant market for private label brands that are positioned to be it's you know cost effective um so prices will be you know very attractive to some people and that's something that we're expecting and of course this um links to a lot of, you know you, i think you pointed to this a little bit but the work that iqvia have been doing around real world evidence a topic that you often um you know see your colleagues talking about for example volca but generating those uh, relevant uh, claims for existing brands that's going to be important isn't it and and that's also links to you know some of the other trends around digitalization and, and the kind of information that we're getting back from uh, consumers online activity is that something that you that you think is relevant um, as i said earlier on the consumer is you know a, a, a smarter animal if i can say that um, you know we're more you know observant we understand healthcare better today um, and also we don't forget you know we, we, we we're doing this not just for ourselves but for our loved ones and, and dear ones right as well and you know real world evidence the days of doing research with two men and a dog are long gone the consumer will not accept it you know the consumer is concerned about even sustainability you know that's also a measure we saw on the uh, on the research i did in you know in, in, in terms of you know the impact um, and likelihood um, but it's it's a key driver in in the way that the consumer is today expected to be able to feel that they have fully justifiable brands that deliver what they say they're going to deliver. I hope you're enjoying this episode of Over the Counter so far. Don't forget to follow Pharma Intelligence Podcasts on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, SoundCloud, Spotify and TuneIn. Also, check out HBW Insight at hbw.pharmaintelligence.informa.com for all the latest health, beauty and wellness news and intelligence. Keep listening. This episode continues now. Just to go back to um, another one of the trends, uh, the, the first one, and I think this was maybe the the one right in the corner uh, as most likely and uh, significant, but the wellness trend. First, just a question of clarification. I was wondering what your, your view of this is, something we talk about a lot as an editorial team, what the difference is between wellness and self-care or whether there is one. Yeah, it's, 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 uh, <laughs> it's, it's a good point. I think... Um... Self-care, you know, and wellness do go hand in hand, right? You, you, you know, they, they, are, they are very, very similar. I think um, wellness probably looks at looking at I, the way I see it in terms of being well, you know, from a, from a longer term perspective, right? You know, change of lifestyle, change of behavior as such. Whereas self-care, you're looking at, okay, what am I going to do more in the, in the short term to be able to treat the condition that I have Okay, but overall, I want to be well over a longer term perspective. And that's just my personal definition. Well, I'm sure it's open to interpretation, but it is something that, uh, you know, it's, it's conscious. We're, the consumer and shopper today are not looking at short termism. This is now looking at the long term journey. And let's not kid ourselves, you know, 
and God forbid this should happen or in, in any shape or form, but if we have another pandemic of any different size or nature, we all done it today, be better prepared for it as best as possible. Yeah, we'd like to think so. Um, but yeah, we don't want that to happen at all. Um, but yeah, I think that's that's a really nice um, that's a really nice clarification. I think that's probably true. Um, but one of the things we've noticed in HBW about the way that self care is used is that it's kind of gone from uh, a very wide umbrella term um, that was sometimes interchangeable um, with consumer health, but but also could include all sorts of stuff. You know, like um, I don't know, having a bath or you know, going for a run or something like that, to something a little bit more concrete within the industry where, um, you know, it, it signifies uh, um, an, an increase of, of importance in what consumer healthcare is or whatever. And I think this is reflected in the spin-outs um, and, you know, rationalisation of OTC parts of pharmaceutical companies' businesses, you know, where, for example, you know, GSK is... Uh, consumer health is becoming Haley on J and J looking to spin out their consumer health. Um, Perigo uh, divested its prescription business. You know the list goes on and on, and it's a it seems to be a major trend within the industry. Um, I was just wondering what your thoughts on on that are and how much that is linked to the wellness trend, uh, in your opinion. Yeah, I mean, in my as you say, in in, in the opinion that we have, you know, I think. It, in a way, and then in the nicest way, I say this, is it almost releases the consumer health divisions. It sort of breaks all the shackles that they can, you know, operate in the way that they're able to with, you know, the freedom um, to be able to make a lot quicker decisions, having the independence to, to drive initiatives, right? You know, to, you know, having a big brother farmer arm around you is great, uh, you know, from a potential investment perspective, but you know, we, we see it, right? Decision making can 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 take longer. Um, priorities can can be delayed. So I think you know, seeing these spin-offs as as you as you mentioned of all these companies, uh, I, I hope it's better for the you know for the consumer and for you know self care and and healthcare going forward. Um, you know, these guys are gonna have. Uh, you know a, a lot of data available for to them you know so that they can sort of start to you know use the technologies that are suited you know for the consumer health industry to be able to make decisions that are that are that are you know really needed um and i think it's something that we're going to see an acceleration hopefully in innovation for example right um probably a lot more interaction with the consumer industry um, but, and, and, you know, these companies will also, we want to make an, a, a, a great name for themselves. I think there'll be a big onus of company image so that they're seen to be the healthcare division of the consumer, right? I think that's going to be very, very important. Um, and I'm sure there'll be a, you know, a, a big push there. But again, this is just, uh, an opinion from, uh, for myself and, you know, from, from what we're seeing. Yeah. No, I agree. I think that is reflected in the in the name changes. You know, I think I've always thought, you know, these with the pharmaceutical uh, groups. You know, you have Glaxo uh, Glaxo Smith Kline Consumer Healthcare. It's very wordy, uh, and you know, I'm not sure that consumers really remember that. I mean, I think you know Johnson and Johnson is probably more of a memorable company brand, but yeah, the switch to something like Halion 
and then apparently J and J are going to come up with a new name for their spin out. So uh, yeah, like you say, I think they're much more conscious of of being recognised as a provider of self care uh, going forward. An analogy that I tend to use is you know the pharmaceutical industry tends to be like a like a an oil tanker, right? Whereas consumer health is more like a speedboat. You know, you need to know what you know what's happening next week. Whereas in pharma, it takes a lot longer. It's a more regulated environment. Decision making are prolonged. It goes through a lot of process. There's a lot of more regulatory uh, concerns that have to be addressed, etc. And therefore, that can delay what happens to a consumer health division in a simplistic way. But you know, like what I'm trying to structure IT via consumer health, we have to behave quicker. We have to be flexible. And we have to be able to accommodate accordingly. Yeah, definitely. And I think also the other point is that, as you say about wellness, I mean, within wellness, you know, you have an emphasis on slight uh, like supplements and like you pointed to we'll talk about natural products, you know, the kind of borderlines or much more uh, where innovation happens a bit more quickly um, and regulation is maybe a, a little bit lighter than OTC medicines. But I think hopefully that uh, these spin-outs and standalones will mean that they can take advantage of some of these trends more easily. Absolutely, let's hope so. So moving on, um, as I mentioned, natural products, I think that's another interesting trend. So I suppose the question there is, um, you know, is the regulatory situation a, a really big barrier there? Because, I mean, you know, her- herbals are very popular uh, with consumers, but, you know, the regulatory situation is... Uh, is not great uh, in Europe. So, um, you know, you've got a bit of a tension there, haven't you? And I think maybe this points to a general need to learn from some of the regulatory flexibility that we've had in in the last couple of years um, and apply that to self-care as well. I don't know if you have a view on that. Yeah, I think we're seeing that. I think, you know, I think it's been acknowledged that the, you know, to the point about providing a better health care that's addressable, that's, you know, reachable and, and more importantly affordable I think we're seeing regulatory authorities and I'm, ge- I'm globalizing and generalizing here um, you know opening up and being more flexible um, I'm not saying less rigid I think I think they're just accelerating the process I think we've seen some uh, work in the US with the FDA uh, they've uh, you know started to uh, accelerate some of the switches that we're looking at that bring to market so I think there's a significant appetite um, you know, I've just come back from, from Indonesia and, you know, speaking to clients out there. We've, we, we, we've seen that a lot of work is happening with the, the health uh, ministries to be able to, you know, accelerate uh, launches, accelerate um, innovative um, SKUs that they want to bring to the market, um, as well as being able to, you know, have a logistic and distribution system that's then to benefit the mass. So, you know, it's all coming back to, you know, the pandemic's been a wake-up call more so to be able to accelerate uh, healthcare. Yeah, definitely. Um, and then, obviously, quite closely linked with, uh, you know, the trend for naturals is is a general concern for uh, the environment, you know, as you pointed out earlier. And you mentioned sustainability. And, you know, we've done our own kind of reflection on um, on some of the trends last year, and we've done that for a couple of years now during COVID. And, and sustainability, self-care sustainability and, and AI, and maybe we'll talk about AI just quickly in a minute, but sustainability is a, a huge trend in the industry right now. But I'm wondering whether you think that um, 
you know, consumers are there yet. You know, I think there is, there's definitely a greater sense of the importance of sustainability uh, within the public sphere. Um, but, but whether or not consumers are, are actually ready to change their behaviour, I mean, one of the things where you can see this contradiction is, um, is where, you know, with medicines disposal, for example, and um, GSK has done some work on this, you know, and consumers are still, you know, flushing creams down the toilet or, you know, throwing medicines down the toilet even. And, and you know, that has a really negative impact on uh, on the environment through, you know, water waste. So, uh, yeah, I don't know. What do you think? Do you think that the consumers are actually behind industry in this respect? Because we've seen a lot of movement on it uh, from industry over the last year or so. For example, the Global Self-Care Federation's uh, Sustainability Charter and companies are all publishing their own uh, sustainability strategies. What do you think? Yeah, it's a good question. I think in the research that we did, this was a one area that we thought, in you know, maybe in the next five years it's going to become in a lot more significant and important for the consumer and shopper. I think today there's there's two things that um, you know that I believe is happening. In firstly, the, the consumer is is conscious of sustainability. Again, when I said they were wanting to be brand loyalty as as you know to to to, to certain areas, they want to ensure that that brand has got sustainability status. And secondly, they're actually expecting the industry now to be fully compliant or as best as possible, right? Um, and it is becoming a significant part of the decision-making process that the consumer is making in, in, in choice of brands. So um, we're going to see a lot more investment in this area. Um, you, you, to your point about natural products coming in and, and you know, elevating their, their presence and status, that's the point I was making earlier that you know this area in terms of the claims they're making and the claims that they can make to be able to um, you know justify the value proposition is a big step change from maybe five seven eight years ago yeah excellent um, and then I don't know um, you know whether this is maybe a bit of a big topic to go into um, at this late stage but we we also think uh, you know that artificial intelligence is is quite significant, but it's maybe really quite long term. We did a bit of work on this and uh, and spoke to our colleagues in MedTech Insight, and you know the the conclusion was that maybe what is called AI um, isn't really AI. Um, you know, it's not quite as intelligent as as the the kind of um, boosterism around uh, the idea would suggest. Um, and maybe consumer healthcare in, in particular is a bit further away from being able to use true AI or, you know, maybe like machine learning. Um, but we are seeing some interesting products coming out, uh, for example, around smoking cessation or uh, IBS. Um, what do you think? I mean, what, how, where was AI on your, um, uh, you know, digital health, but in particular AI, where, where was that on your, on your, in your analysis and, and how, likely or significant do you think that will be over the next few years yeah I, th- I think i mean i'm in agreement with what you said right in terms of where it's currently positioned i think it's probably a bit too soon or too early to have a sort of a a scientific sci-fi sense to saying it's going to have a massive impact on on what the consumers are going to do right i think it's uh 
gradually starting to to take shape, especially as the consumer is trying to look for more sort of personalized types of 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 self care, right? So um, what's in, what's interesting is is actually if you take a step back, is 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 all the the data that's been processed and been collected, right? Um, you know, how is the consumer using that? How is that brought together? You know, for self-diagnosis, for self-indication, um, you know, is it going to tell you that for the next three days you should be eating X, Y, Z, taking all these vitamins? Uh, some may. I think that there's a danger there that some... Um, <laughs> Healthcare apps may assume that having you know, they'll build a black box that enables you to do that. I think that's inevitable, but I think um, I think it's a stage process. A stage process at the moment, collecting the data, seeing what we can do to analyze it, and then sort of you know helping that to say okay, does that lead to any better innovation? I think that's how the industry will use it at the moment. Um, you know, we used to say when banking, you know, banking used to live in the world of a checkbook. Today, no one writes a check, right? Finance is done on your phone. Who knows what the future might be, right? Um, there's a lot of trust that went into the finance sector when we now use it for mobile banking, etc. Would there be like an ATM where you just approach and it completely, you know, diagnoses you and assesses you and then gives you an outcome and gives you like a receipt? Who knows? I think there are certain places where they're trying this. But I think it's a it's a it's a journey that has already started. I think it's a journey that will evolve. Um, but I think there's still a lot of, you know, there's a big runway here. No, I think that was a that was a great answer, and also probably a great um, place to to finish on a kind of slightly sci-fi uh, <laughs> uh, <laughs> imagining of the future of self-care. But yeah, it's been a really fascinating chat, and uh, I really appreciate you taking the time to come and talk to me, uh, Prasanna. No, thank you, David. Thanks for the uh, thanks for the discussion. It's always a pleasure to be uh, to be working with yourselves, and uh, you know I hope uh, you know you've got a perspective of what we're doing and 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 how IQV Consumer Health is you know supporting and assisting the industry going forward. I hope you enjoyed this episode of Over the Counter. Listen out for more episodes every two weeks and check out the further reading section of the article published on hbw.farmerintelligence.informer.com for related news and intelligence. And don't forget to follow, share and comment on Farmer Intelligence Podcasts on the platform of your choice. See you next time.